my name's Jared. This is my beautiful wife, Krista. This is my beautiful, second most beautiful woman in the world, Braveland. And I realize, you know, we've got quite a bit of new people here. And last week we had such a cool testimony to start off the teaching time of cancer being completely healed that I just felt like we should just keep doing that. And so I want to share a, a testimony of God's miraculous healing uh, that some of you, a lot of you know, but we've never actually shared it from the front of the church. Surprise. I don't know why we haven't. Uh, but when Braveland was born, it was the most traumatic day of my life. And she's wonderful now, but. You want to say something? Say hi. Say hi. Hi. Look at my smile, everyone. <laughs> Uh, so, so when she was born, uh, we weren't planning for her to be born just yet. Krista realized she hadn't felt any movement when she was pregnant for a while. So she went into our midwife. We were planning to have a natural uh, birth in a birth center, like we did with Judah, our second son. And she went in to see uh, our midwife, and the midwife they said, yeah, something's, something's not right. Uh, couldn't find a solid heartbeat. Uh, and I mean, she could probably tell this story better, but I'm going to tell, tell an abbreviated, yeah, the Jared version. And so I was off working. So she said, yeah, we need, you need to go see a doctor. So she went to the doctor and got hooked up, uh, to, to kind of do some testing on the baby's heartbeat, which was a story all in itself because she had our two, our two year old and our three year old boy with her while she's hooked up to machines in the doctor's office and she can't do anything with them. So they're like... They're like elf. They're like eating the, what are those called? The cotton balls. And they're like taking tacks off the wall and like messing up the doctor's papers. And she can't do anything. And so she calls me and I come in. Uh, I come in and, and I'm like, what's going on in here? I've never seen a doctor's office like this. Uh, anyways, the doctor's, uh, you know, comes and looks at tests and he says, yeah, we got to take you right now to have an emergency C-section. The, the baby's heart rate is dropping way down. And it comes up for a little bit and then it drops way down. And so... We went to the emergency room, and they had her on the table. Our midwife was right there, and the midwife, uh, they were trying to find the heartbeat, and the midwife, like, grabbed my hand and slapped it on her belly and just said, Jared, start praying in tongues. So I'm just, like, praying in tongues over her belly, and I'm, like, kind of in shock because we went from, like, planning to have a, a natural birth, what we're used to, and all of a sudden we're, like, looking at C-section. We didn't have a choice. This is happening whether we like it or not. We don't have time to process, and now I'm just like in the middle of a doctor. I got three nurses around me, and I'm praying in tongues <laughs> over my wife's belly. And so, anyways, uh, she went in for emergency C-section, and uh, Bravelyn was born, and something wasn't right with Bravelyn. She was, when she came out, first she didn't breathe for a long time. It was like the longest, I don't know, 11 seconds or whatever of our life. And so what they found out was there was a knot in her cord that was tightened in the a true knot. Can you hold her, maybe? <laughs> and uh, the blood wasn't getting to her body and to her brain, to her heart, and so it was causing trauma to her. Uh, so she was born, and she was like doing these like weird movements, and they thought she was having seizure seizures. So they said we don't have the right equipment here to treat seizures for brain damage the best. So we need to transport her to a different hospital which was also like the hardest thing for me as a husband because my wife just had a C-section and I'm leaving my wife to go follow the other new girl in my life to a different hospital. Uh, and so I ended up spending like the first several days, it was just me and Bravelyn uh, in the NICU. And I remember like 
they they took the CAT scan of her brain and they got the up on the screen and there's two doctors they're talking about it, and they're pointing at these areas and I can see what they're talking about. I can see how there's like thicker areas in in the image, and uh, and and the doctor, you know, they're talking about it, and they come over and she's he, he said, yeah, you know, she looks like she's doing pretty good on the outside, but she's really sick inside, and. She's got significant, or you know, she's got brain damage. We don't know how significant it is yet, uh, but it's in the part of her brain that that uh, controls her her motions, like her motor skills, and so that's definitely going to be affected. We don't know to the extent she might not be able to ever feed herself. Uh, she might not be ever ever be able to walk, uh, and we don't know how bad it is. Uh, but there's going to be long-term damage uh, for her. And so you're torn between, like, God, thank you that this baby's alive. And what the heck is wrong with my girl, you know? Like, how could this happen? And, uh, and I will admit, any, every day I'll admit that I did not have faith for her to be healed. I was, like, not in a good place as a dad at that point in my heart and in my mind. I was kind of all over the place. We had gone through two miscarriages where we contended three miscarriages where we had contended really for two of them hard and believed the word of the Lord that they were going to be born and then and we lost them. And so it was hard to carry faith. But our community, many of you guys, came around us and started praying for God's will over her, started praying for healing, for a touch. And the next day, they took an MRI of her brain and they, got, they walked in and they said, we don't know how to explain this, but all the damage is gone. We can't find anything. Yeah. And it was like a day later. And, and the crazy thing is that the doctor that was overseeing the NICU, small world, goes to our church. She had just become transferred as a doctor to that NICU like that week. So she was the doctor overseeing Braveland while Braveland was there. And she pulled us aside. She said, you guys don't understand. This is like a real miracle. I've looked at the test. Like she should, this is not like just, you know, she healed faster than expected. This is a, a miracle. And so I just want to share with you guys because God is so good. Amen. Thank you, Father God, for this beautiful girl and for a beautiful mama. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I think it's, uh, let's see here. I'm going to pull this out. I think it, there's a, something prophetic that happened because this morning my watch started going really slow. And so I think that's God saying that I'm going to have extra time up here. <laughs> like time's just going to move really slow. I reset it at 8 this morning, and right now it's only 9.15. <laughs> so, I'm, yeah, <laughs> that could be too. I'll just take this off because I don't want to look at it and be confused. So I have another testimony to start with. Uh Man, people, people around us, you guys, they want to encounter God, and they want to be known, and they want to be encouraged. Uh, Friday, I was on this call. Uh, I'm a, Chris and I are both safety inspectors who work in the insurance industry, and I'm calling this lady to set up a, an appointment to go and, and survey her business. She's a CEO of this company called Cal Plastics, and they have like a few hundred employees. They do like plastic extruding, which a lot of you probably don't know what that is. Uh, but I'm calling her trying to schedule this appointment, and she's telling me, she's, 
she's I want to schedule it next week, but she can't do it till the following week because she just had hip surgery. And during hip surgery, her bone was cracked. She had a fracture. And then last week, she lost her best friend who passed away from a heart attack. And the week before that, her dad passed away after a battle with cancer. And I'm on the phone with her, and my heart just goes out for her. And I just feel the compassion of Jesus. And I'm on a work call with the CEO. So what do I do? I said, before we schedule a meeting, I, I want to pray for you. Can I pray for you? And she just started crying on the phone. She just was so ready for anyone that was going to step in and give her something to help her. And so I just prayed over her. It wasn't a long prayer, and I just prayed for courage and strength. I prayed that God would protect her heart because her heart is valuable. And that it's not always going to be like this for hope to arise in her. And you know what her reaction was? And I didn't even think about it till like, when I was processing this yesterday. But her reaction is, I just want to hug you. And I know we can't hug during COVID. But if I see you, I just want to hug you. And I just thought that's such a beautiful testimony of what the kingdom of God does. Everything around us is surrounded in fear. You know, like all this COVID junk and all this stuff. But when people feel loved, it like just changes something inside of them. I guarantee you she wouldn't have told me she was going to hug me before I reached out and just like tried to share a little bit of Jesus with her. Tried to love her and bless her. I just feel like I want to share that testimony because there's people around us that just are waiting for us to have the courage to say, hey, can I pray for you? Or hey, let's just talk about this. Make room for God to do something. So that was so beautiful. Uh, I do need to get a, some sort of clock here because I'll just keep going and going. You guys know me. I haven't been up here for a while, but oh, I got such good stuff today, you guys. Okay, it's 11.05. Probably can bring this over here. Well, would you hear that? This is going to be my background while I preach. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. God is here. I probably should turn that off. Bear with me. That was actually supposed to be playing during worship, but it never did for some reason. Now it's starting to play. Yeah, brilliant. So uh, oh, this has been so fun preparing for this, you guys. I've really been, really been getting wrecked by Jesus. I've really been getting wrecked by the presence of God, and I'm believing that something really special is going to happen here today. And I haven't just been getting wrecked. I've been doing more than just getting wrecked. I've been learning from the Holy Spirit, and I just want to let you guys know that the stuff I'm going to be sharing with you is just stuff I'm learning. I just feel like coming up here and sharing some of the stuff that God is teaching me right now that's blowing my mind as an invitation for you guys. And so I'm going to start with the childhood story because all good sermons start with a childhood story, right? Uh, I was like three years old, and this was my first real encounter with fire. This is a really embarrassing story. I'm just going to throw that out there. Even better. So I'm like three, maybe four years old, and I'm going to the bathroom, number two, 
and my mom has a scented candle in the bathroom that's going. And this is when I started learning that I love fire. And I'm sitting there, and I grabbed a little tiny piece of toilet paper, and I, you know, started on fire. I blew it out. I might have been five, actually. I don't know. I can't remember how old I was, but I was really young. And uh, I thought, ooh, that was cool. That was fun. So I got, like, a little bit bigger piece, you know? And I, like, it's like my birthday. <laughs> I get to blow it out every time. And then I grabbed a, a little bit too big a piece. And um, I set it on fire, and I blew it. And it didn't go out. And I blew it again. And it just got bigger. And I didn't know what to do. And it, got, it was getting bigger, but it was getting close to my fingers now. And so the first thing I thought was, i got to get rid of it. So I threw it in the trash can, which was full of toilet paper. And the trash can set on fire. And I'm just, all I can think of is, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do. And so, like, I jump up, and it's, it's starting to really set on fire. And, like, I just kick it over. And, like, the, the toilet paper on fire just goes all along the cabinet. And so I'm looking, and I'm like, this is beyond what I can deal with. And so what do I do? I don't even pull up my pants. I hadn't, you know, done what I needed to do to leave the bathroom. I just run out of the bathroom screaming with my pants down <laughs> through all my family. My mom was not happy with me that day. There was a lot of days my mom was not particularly enamored with me. Uh, but that was my first experience with fire. I love fire. Uh, I would do, actually, a lot of my stories I probably can't tell because there's kids here and they might try to do them. I don't know. Jaden, if I tell a story, will you promise me you'll never try it? Okay, my friends and I. We used to take little cups of gasoline and we'd make a fire. We'd watch, like, you know, the stunt guys and thought it was so cool. So we'd take turns and we'd time it to where uh, we'd run and one of us would jump over the fire and the other one would throw the gasoline in the fire right as we're getting over it. So it's like, you know, <laughs> my friend was terrible at timing. He was absolutely terrible. Like I'm running in it like a second and a half too early. He just throws it all on there. And it's like, I dive into a fireball and I come out and like all my hairs are singed, all my eyebrows are singed. And so it's really ironic to my parents that I'm a safety professional today. <laughs> I mean, they're happy I just survived, but it's really ironic. I actually go in and help people prevent fires. I, I actually learn all about how fires burn, what makes fires burn, and how to prevent them from destroying things and killing people. And so I got good at that. So today, uh, today I'm kind of, I have a living a word that's living inside of me. I don't have, like, notes. I just have something that God's placed inside of me that I know is for all of us. And it's that there's this thing called the fire of God that we know very little about. When Jesus came, he went to get baptized by John, and John said, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of man. He will, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, a lot of us know about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But have you ever thought about being baptized in fire? What is being baptized in fire? What is that? We see fire all throughout the Bible. And God brought this to me. 
and he said, you want to learn about fire? And I said, yes, I want to learn about fire because life is too short this time, this side of heaven to not burn for Jesus. Every one of us was created to burn. He started showing me these pictures that we're going we're gonna to go through some of the scripture and these places and revealing this beautiful, uh, this beautiful purpose that he has for us in Christ to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the fire of God. And so I'm going to start with the burning bush. I mean, we, from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, there's so many stories that have to do with fire. So the burning bush. Why did God show up in a burning bush to Moses? And if he was showing up in a burning bush, why didn't the bush burn? What's the point of that? Like, we read these stories. Did we ever really ask questions like this? Jesus loves it when we ask questions. Holy Spirit loves it when we ask questions. And I said, no, I've never thought about this, Holy Spirit. Why, why was the bush, why did God show up through fire? I mean, Mount Sinai was covered in a cloud and fire. And it was terrifying. It revealed the glory of God. When Moses came down, all he could say is, I'm utterly terrified. Because of this cloud and this fire that was God's choice to reveal himself to his people. And before that, the burning bush. And the Holy Spirit told me, it's a prophetic picture that God's people are to burn, are to be consumed as they live. Not be consumed to death. And even last week while we were worshiping here at church, I felt like God said, I felt like he said, there's been generations that have preached the gospel from the perspective of escaping the fire of hell. He said, I want generations of people who are preaching the gospel to enter the fire of God. And so you see, Moses comes down, and then, and then uh, the Israelites are going through the desert. What were they led by? Does anyone remember? A cloud by day in a fire by night. So here we go again. God's showing up in this cloud, in this fire. This is going to be amazing, you guys. This connects. It starts connecting. It's so awesome. It's so amazing. So, so we ha- Jesus isn't on the scene yet. We just have this cloud and this fire, right? Well, then we get to this point. Fast forward. They get to the promised land. And uh, Solomon builds this temple, right? And he gets down. This temple's, God gives plans for this temple, just as God gave plans to Moses for uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And Moses gets down with, before all the people. This is a good leader right here. A leader that can get down before all the people and just raise his arms like this. And just pray to God. And he dedicates this temple. Baby on the loose. And there's three important things that that Holy Spirit's teaching me about that happened at this point. Uh, because in church today, there's actually a lot of, you know, confusion around, like, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And is there two baptisms? Or is there five baptisms? Or am I supposed to speak in tongues? Or... What is all this? What am I supposed to do to make me a normal Christian that is doing all the things God died for me to do? And 
Jesus gave us a template in the Old Testament because he was going to redo it better in the New Testament. The covenants. The Old Covenant and the new, the new Covenant. So in the Old Covenant, you had this Ark of the Covenant. This Ark of the Covenant was something that God designed and man built to carry his covenant. So God gave the plans, man built it, and then God placed the covenant in it. And that Ark of the Covenant, the purpose of it was to be brought into the temple to be a dwelling place for the Lord, for the people of Israel, right? And so, so Solomon gets down. The first thing they do is they get a whole lot of beef. They get a lot of cows, like 20,000 cows or, you know, sheep and cows and all sorts of stuff to sacrifice. Uh, they bring the Ark of the Covenant into the Holy of Holies, into the temple. And then he gets down. And he said he dedicates the temple. What happens? Does anyone remember what happens when he dedicates the temple? Not yet. Close. He dedicates the temple, and the first thing that happens is a cloud fills the temple. Here comes this cloud again. It shows up. It fills the temple with his glory. And then Solomon gets down and he prays again for the nation before the Lord. And when he prays and dedicates the nation, when he prays and dedicates everything he has, everything God's given him, the fire of God comes down and consumes all these sacrifices. 20,000 bowls or whatever it was. Crazy. Like we can't even imagine what that's like. And I'm vegan, so that's even harder to imagine. And so... So this is the picture we have. Everyone agree with me? God gave us this picture. This is the uh, old covenant picture that's actually a prophetic declaration of what's to come. Now watch this. The new covenant comes in what? The new covenant comes in something that God designed, man built, and God filled. That's Jesus. The Ark of the Covenant was a prophetic picture of Jesus because Jesus' very flesh and his very blood is the new covenant. He is the Ark of the Covenant. He's the Ark of the New Covenant. He's the person carrying the new covenant. And who are we? We are the temples. We are the temples of God. And so, you know, when we, when we invite Jesus into our heart, into our temple, that's, that's the same thing that's happening that was prophesied from the Old Testament of bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. We invite Jesus into us. And then what do we do? Then we dedicate. We dedicate everything inside of us. We give him our heart. We give him our mind. We give him who we are. We give him our, our future. And what happens when we do that? We're filled inside. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I can't tell you how it's supposed to happen because God works in different ways. If you look in the New Testament, there's people who are filled by the Holy Spirit, and then they get baptized. There's people that get baptized, and then they're filled. There's people that 
get filled as they're baptized. Like God works in different ways. He doesn't like to be in a box. He doesn't like to say this is how it's going to happen every time. The important thing to see is in the Old Testament, we get this picture of the cloud of God filling the temple fully. And then the New Testament, we invite Jesus in and we're filled with the spirit of God fully. This temple is filled. But what about the fire? A lot of us might think that's it. Or maybe somehow we just, I mean, for me, I kind of feel like the Holy Spirit and the fire are just kind of like one thing, you know. And, and God makes his, his uh, ministers flames of fire. And like, I've, I haven't thought of them differently until God really started unpacking this to me. The fire of God is passion. When you look at the disciples, you look at Paul. He's, you know, getting beat up. He's crazy. Paul's getting beat up. He's getting stoned, and he just keeps on going. His followers say, we got a prophetic vision from God. If you go in here, they're going to kill you. And he's like, I'm going. What happened to Paul? What happened to the disciples? And then we see these pictures even in the New Testament of fire. We see that Jesus' eyes are filled with fire. Have you ever asked Jesus why his eyes are filled with fire? It's a good question. He'll probably, I mean, I asked him and he gave me an answer. He'll probably give you a different answer. But the answer he gave me was my, my eyes are filled with fire because I, when you look at me, I want you to see your destiny. See, I am, I am set apart. I believe we're all set apart, but I can speak for myself. I am set apart to burn. I am set apart to burn. And burning is more than just having the Holy Spirit. It's more than just being in relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's more than just inviting Jesus into your heart and into your life. And even just abiding with him. It's when you, like Solomon, you get on your knees and you dedicate not just your heart and your mind and what's inside, but you dedicate everything around you. You dedicate it all, and you expect the fire of God to come down and consume it. And you actually, actually give it to him where you're okay with whatever happens. That's a scary place to be. That's a scary place to be. But there's an invitation this morning to start on that adventure. I feel like that's what I've done. Like, I feel like I've just started on this adventure. So this all started, like, two weeks ago. I'm laying in bed. I'm a dad. I got kids. It's 10 o'clock. All my kids are asleep. I'm laying in bed with my wife, and I'm like, ah, this is amazing. I'm going to sleep eight hours tonight. Glory, glory. Thank you, Jesus. And then Holy Spirit starts speaking, and he's like, I want my people to burn. And it's not a good message. It's not a good Sunday morning message. It's the DNA, the divine nature of our Abba Papa inside of us in his son that we're created to burn. And so I was up uh, till 2 a.m. that night just with Holy Spirit. 
He's just unpacking this thing to me. And I'm just getting wrecked. I'm smiling. I'm crying. He's, like, taking me all over. Like, have you ever thought about in Ephesians 6 where it says we've been given the armor of God and the, the shield to protect us, to extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy? Have you ever asked, why are the, why are the darts of the enemy flaming? Anyone ever asked that? I hadn't either. Holy Spirit says, you want to know why? The darts of the enemy are flaming. And I say, yeah, he said, because the aim of the enemy is not to wound you. The aim of the enemy is to consume you. Fire consumes. The wound of the dart is just the mode to get the fire on you. And so when we see sin, when we see offense, has anyone here, anyone married ever been like, had it, something that really disconnected you from your, your spouse that you love? I don't know there's anything that feels more consuming to me. When I get disconnected with Krista, all I can think about, all I can think about is either how to get reconnected or how to deal with my issues, my offense, what's going on. It consumes me. And that's what sin does too. Selfishness, pride, lust. You know, some of you know, most of you know, some of you might not know, I was a drug addict for a lot of years. And I had no hope. And I, I, Jesus redeemed me and brought me out of drugs, brought me out of using hard drugs. And I found in walking with him and getting free in him that getting off the substances wasn't nearly as hard as getting off the sins, the deeper things in my heart, the lust the selfishness, the pride. Actually, probably the hardest thing, the hardest addiction I've ever had to break was not meth or heroin. It wasn't cocaine. It was lying. And then there's the worst one at all. The, one of the worst ones at all, the hardest, hardest addiction to break free of, self-righteousness. These are the, the flaming arrows of the enemy. And I pray that today, if, if, if that fire is burning on you, if that fire of unforgiveness, if that fire of self-righteousness or of condemnation, or that fire, how about of self-hatred, or that fire of looking at someone else's stuff on the Internet and saying, I want that, why can't I have? These are all fires of the enemy that are aimed at consuming your life because you're supposed to be consumed by a different fire. It's just like the leaven that Jesus talks about. The leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod, and the leaven of the kingdom. A little bit of leaven changes the whole entire dough. A little bit of fire coming in can consume the whole thing. So we need our armor. We need our armor. We need to be protected from this. But more than being protected from the fire of the enemy, we need to be consumed by the fire of God. And this is going to look different for each one of us. The invitation is not, you know, we're going to have a time where you can come before the Lord at the end of this and say, yes, I want to burn. I want the fire of God. I want the whole, I want to walk in relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want to know Jesus. I want to worship Jesus. I want to give him my life. 
I'm going to honor God with everything I have and worship him only, but I want God's fire too. And I'm not okay with living life without experiencing what that fire is like. We're going to go there, but this is just the beginning. For me, this is just the beginning of the rest of my life. If I was saying I'm teaching you from experience, I would be lying because I'm just barely getting a taste of this thing. Two weeks ago, I didn't even, I thought the fire of God and the Holy Spirit were just kind of like one package that happened. Until God showed me the cloud filled the temple and then the fire of God fell. How about when, when the Holy Spirit came, tongues of fire? You know, if you, if you look at revival history, revival history even in Pasadena, in L.A., man, wild stuff happened. People would, fall, would call the fire department because there was physical fire and smoke above buildings. The fire department would show up and be like, what? What's going on? Prayer meeting? There's a prayer meeting here. Someone called us because there's a prayer meeting. No, it's someone called because there was manifestation of the life and the reality of the new covenant occurring over and in a people that were dedicating themselves to the ways of God. Fire fell. I love what Sue says, Pastor Sue. Fire always falls on sacrifice. It always falls on sacrifice. So fire... Remember one thing, fire is passion. Fire is desire. What happens, you know, in a marriage when things start losing passion? What do you, what's the term that people use? Oh, the fire's going out. Oh, the fire just went out. That happens to Christians too, you know. There's people who get married and the fire goes out and they stay married the rest of their life. And there's some people that get divorced. There's Christians that come to God and experience a measure of fire or a measure of desire for God. And then it kind of slowly over time takes a back seat or life happens, babies happen, family happens, challenges happen. And that thing slowly becomes a history of something you want to get back to one day. And some people actually just leave because it's too, let me tell you something. Christianity is really, really hard if you don't have burning fire of passion for Jesus. Because you're created to do it out of burning fire and passion for Jesus. So let's go back to the Old Testament. I love this. This is so good. So who's the temple? Us. Some of you are listening. Who's the temple? I know you all know it, most of you. So we're the temple. So, who is Ark of the Covenant? Jesus. Ark of the Covenant is the prophetic picture of the new covenant coming in the blood and the body of Jesus. So, there's this story of Jesus, and in, in, uh, it's actually in, in the Gospels, uh, but it's kind of a unique story of Jesus because Jesus is kind of like this super happy, jolly, you know, miracle working. Uh, nice guy, right? But then there's this one story where he gets super upset, super angry. And he kind of does something crazy that's not very Jesus-like. Does anyone know the story I'm talking about? And it's not like he just shows up, like he walks into church one day, he's like, whoa, they're selling T-shirts. 
my father didn't make the church to sell t-shirts, so, you know, kick the table over or something. No, he actually took time. He was thinking about it. He was thinking about what he was going to do because it says he took time to make a whip. And then he goes in to the temple, and he just starts turning the money changers' tabers over. He just starts wreaking havoc. And I'm reading this, and it's like, I know it's Jesus, but this is weird. Jesus doesn't go in and just start terrorizing things. For a lot of years, I've always thought that was kind of a weird story. But then all of a sudden, Holy Spirit brings life to this thing and what he's teaching me. And what happened to the disciples when Jesus started wreaking havoc in the temple, turning over all the tables? What did they say? Does anyone remember what they said? They remembered the prophetic scripture from Psalms that said, zeal, desire, passion for your house consumes me. And they were saying, oh my goodness, this is that playing out before us. Jesus' passion for the house of God, for the temple of house of God consumes Jesus. And he comes in with, with an, a holy, angry passion of fire. But here's the thing. Who's the temple today? We're the temple. And it just, when, when Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, that is just a picture of what Jesus desires to do in you. That is the fire and the desire of Jesus. He wants to come into our life and he wants to wreak havoc on everything that's creating disconnection from God. Everything that wasn't designed inside of us. And all of a sudden, this, this picture, all of a sudden, this story that's always kind of baffled me or been weird of Jesus, all, the, all of a sudden it becomes a love story. And not like, not like a cute, sappy love story. Like a passionate warrior love story of God's intention to come in and destroy the enemy inside of me. To extinguish what the devil has planted and to set a new fire. A fire that comes straight from the passion in his eyes. Is this not amazing, you guys? This is wild. Like, I'm just laying in bed and Holy Spirit says, like, I don't even do a Bible study. I haven't even read a Christian book in like years. I'm a terrible Christian, but I know Holy Spirit. I walk with him. I'm on my way to work. And I'm like, I'm crying. I'm just like, every song comes on. It's a love song. You know, I feel his presence all the time. I feel his presence in my car and I'm just crying and, and he's teaching me stuff. And so, so that was our introduction. <laughs> I'm going to read the scripture for my teaching. But this is it right here, guys. This is Hebrews 12:28. So since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, and I should give some context because this is the same chapter in Hebrews where it talks about Moses going up to the mountain and coming down shaking in terror. This is the same part where it explains that the fire was covered with smoke or the, the mountain was covered with smoke and fire. 
And it's saying that was the old covenant of terror and destruction. What happened when someone touched the Ark of the Covenant in the old? What happened? They died. The moment someone touched it, because the holiness of it, we could not even touch. We die. How about the new covenant? What happens? Who's the Ark of the Covenant in the New Testament? Jesus. You guys are listening. This is so good. What happens in the new covenant? It's not even that, I mean, there is a story where someone touches Jesus and is healed, but it's not even that when we touch the covenant, it gives life. It's that the covenant's pursuing us, coming after us. This is wild, you guys. I lost my spot. It's okay. So this is a scripture. Since we're receiving rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful to offer God the purest worship that delights his heart. As we lay down our lives in absolute surrender. Now, this is the key. This is the key right here. As we lay down our lives with absolute surrender, filled with awe, for our God is a holy, consuming, devouring fire. So this is the key. He gives it to us right here in Hebrew. As we get down and we surrender, he comes. We're the sacrifice. He comes with this holy, devouring fire. Is this good, you guys? Like, are you feeling? I don't want to, I don't want this to be a good teaching. Good teachings are great. Good teachings are great. But, I, like, God's intention for this time is that something starts inside of you. That you hear something that sparks. You feel the words I'm saying are not just a good teaching, but it's sparking a reality in you of who you're created to be, of who God has destined you to be. Babe, maybe you could come up and just play keys for a little bit. You know, I tried to make notes for this teaching, and the Holy Spirit told me to throw them away. He says, I'm looking for people that are becoming the word, that are the word. Yesterday, I had, I had two different encounters with Father God in my car while I was driving to work. It is so sweet. It's so sweet when you feel the presence of God. It's so good when he speaks to you and you know that it's special. I was laying in bed last week and I was asking God, I was just imagining the myriads of angels in heaven. I was imagining the cloud of witnesses in heaven. I was imagining the billions of people on earth that are all going to bow down and worship him. And I'm just like... Father God, there's no way you can actually see me in that crowd. It doesn't make sense. With all that going on, bringing you glory, what am I? And he said to him, he said, when I look at you, there's never a crowd. And my mind doesn't know how that's possible. But that's what our God is like. And yesterday, I tried to take some time to, to just like be with the Lord and get my thoughts together. 
I went into the office. I sat down and I went, I couldn't. It's like as soon as my, my attention went to God, I just felt such an awareness of my deep need for the fire of God. Just such an awareness of our deep need for the fire of God. And I feel like it's been missing so much. I don't feel like it's been missing in the church. I don't know. I just know it's been missing in me. I just know that there's something that the disciples were living in that I'm not yet living in. Because it's hard for me just to reach out to a CEO and ask her if I can pray for her. And I just started just weeping and crying out and just saying, God, I need your fire. God, I need your fire. I didn't know what else to say, but like there's, there's a reality that's being birthed and it's being birthed among us in our community here at Frontier Church. And he's birthing it in other communities. Where we just got to get on our knees and we just got to say, God, we want your fire. And so I just invite you. I'm going to get on my knees right here as a leader in this church. I'm not the pastor. I'm just a regular. I'm just a safety professional that likes to sing to Jesus. But I'm going to get on my knees and I just invite you as Krista sings a song that was birthed out of these encounters with God about his fire as she sings it, if you would get on your knees with me if you want that as well. You know it's coming. You know what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you to be like Solomon and stand in the place of Solomon for your home and plant, stand in the place of Solomon for your worship and for your kids. Stand in the place of Solomon before the Lord and dedicate, dedicate, give an offering, lay it all out before, be extravagant because he's worth it. So God, we just come before you. And we're going to have time to minister after this. But this is a sacred moment because God is revealing himself to our community. God is revealing something about himself to us that's fresh and it's holy and it's sacred. And when he speaks, we need to honor what he speaks. Because it means he wants to move in us. So God, we give you this time. Abba, Papa, Daddy, we give you this time. Holy Spirit, we give you this moment. Come and breathe on our hearts. Show us what it is. Show us the fires that are not of you that need to be extinguished. So we cry out for you, God. As we cry out for your fire to consume us like that bush that Moses came to.